Welcome to Encounter God's Truth and our celebration of Reformation Day. 504 years ago, this Sunday, October 31st, Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. Remembering the beginning of that Reformation once again this October with help from special guest teacher, Dr. Andy Woods. Dr. Woods is the senior pastor of Sugarland Bible Church in Sugarland, Texas, and the president of Schaefer Theological Seminary. As an attorney, he has a passion for investigating the details of church history. And as a theologian, he has a heart for exploring the complexities of Scripture and helping us to understand them in proper context. Dr. Woods led a tour of the sites of the German Reformation in 2017, and he's the author of a book on the Reformation called Ever Reforming. I'm Wayne Shepherd, your host. One of our traditions here on Encounter God's Truth is to welcome Dr. Woods back to teach us about the Reformation each October. You can hear all of his lessons from previous years by visiting sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb. This year, our theme is The Reformers and the Five Solas. Last time, Dr. Woods gave us an overview of Scripture alone, Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone, and the glory of God alone. Today, as we remember the Reformation this very weekend, he'll conclude this two-part series by taking those truths even deeper and showing us what they mean for us in our practical Christian lives. Don't be frightened this weekend by death and evil. Instead, use this time to focus on life and Christ and the power and goodness of God. Dr. Andy Woods is going to help us do that now as he comes to speak about the Reformers and the Five Solas. In our last session together, we had the opportunity to explain the Five Solas, which are the great contributions of the Protestant Reformers to our theological thinking. Sola Scriptura, Sola Gratia, Solus Christus, Sola Fide, and Sola Deo Gloria. In this particular episode, we're going to try to build on that understanding by really asking and answering the question, is the knowledge of these five solas practical? Is it relevant? Does it impact the way we live as Christians or is this this sort of pie-in-the-sky theology? So let's go through those five solas and see if we can apply them to daily life. Sola, you will recall, is a Latin word meaning alone or by itself. The first uh, sola retrieved by the Protestant reformers was something called sola scriptura, scripture alone. In other words, an idea was not worth having unless it could be firmly established in the pages of God's Word, the 66 books of the Bible that we possess. Truth is not determined by creeds or councils or confessions or monks or papal proclamations, but solely determined by the Word of God. Now, we've established what that means, but how practical is that? Well, let me give you uh, a few ways in which I think this doctrine of sola scriptura is very practical, how it very much affects the way we think and act as Christians. Let me ask you a question. When it comes to origins, the beginning, what is your authority? 
Is your authority the thinking of man? The writings of Charles Darwin, for example, evolutionary dogma, or is it Genesis 1 through 11? Uh, my authority when it comes to understanding how everything began is finding it in Genesis chapters 1 through 11 and not man's ideas found in the writings and thinking of Charles Darwin. The reason I believe that is because of my belief in sola scriptura. That's why I'm always proud to contribute to the ongoing ministry and legacy of Dr. John Whitcomb because he also believed in sola scriptura when it came to the beginning. Genesis 1 through 11, having co-authored that wonderful book, The Genesis Flood, with the late Dr. Henry Morris. How about the issue of counseling in the church? Uh, where do you turn to as a spiritual leader to counsel people? Do you turn to the writings of Freud and Skinner and Young, or do you turn to the Word of God? However you answer that depends upon your belief in sola scriptura. When I counsel people, uh, I open the pages of God's Word and seek to counsel them from God's book because I believe in sola scriptura. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 17 tells us that the Bible will equip us for every good work. Second Peter chapter 1 verses uh, 3 and 4 tells us that in the promises of God, sola scriptura in other words, we have everything we need for all matters of faith godliness, and practice. How about this as a point of application? How much time do you spend studying just the Word of God? Not the thinking of man, not our favorite Christian author or authors, but how much time do we spend soaking in God's Word? How we answer that depends on whether we really believe in sola scriptura or not. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, quoting the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3, says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's look at the second sola, sola gratia. What does that mean? It means we are saved by grace alone. Grace, of course, is very different than justice, getting what we deserve. It's even different than mercy, not getting what we deserve. Grace is even beyond mercy where we get something from God that we do not deserve. That's a nice uh, theological idea, but is it really practical? Well, let me ask you a simple question. How do you treat other people? Do you treat them with justice? Do you demand vengeance and retaliation? I would say if we're going around doing that, we're really not understanding that we're saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You see, if I really understand sola gratia, I will treat people graciously and not with justice because that's not how God has treated me by way of salvation. 
Jesus, of course, told a whole parable about this in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35 of a man that owed an infinite sum of money and it was forgiven. That debt was forgiven. And then the forgiven man found someone that owed, owed him a paltry sum and he demanded that every penny be repaid. There's a man there who looks absurd and ridiculous because he's been treated with grace and yet he doesn't treat others with grace. How are you, by the way, on the issue of assurance of salvation? Uh, I, for one, know that I am on my way to heaven. 100%. How do I know that? Because God saved me by his grace. Now, if my salvation was dependent upon my own performance, then, you know, maybe there'd be a lot of room to doubt whether I'm really assured of my salvation or not. But my salvation doesn't depend upon me. It depends upon God's grace. And so whether we understand and walk in the assurance of salvation relates to whether we really understand sola gratia. How are you on the issue of pride? Do you sort of walk around with religious pride, proud as a peacock? Well, I would say that if that's true, then we probably really don't understand sola gratia. Because we're told in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, that we are saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans chapter 3, verse 27 tells us that the gospel sola gratia principle excludes boasting. So do we really understand sola gratia? It relates to how we treat others, whether we are assured of our salvation, and whether we walk around in humility or pride. How about this uh, third sola, solus Christus? What does that mean? You'll recall that it means salvation is found only in Christ. Do we really understand solus Christus. Well, let me ask you a question. How frequently do you share Jesus with other people? The fact of the matter and the, the truth of the matter is people are, can't be saved any other way. They can't be saved through their own devices. They can't be saved through their own philosophy or their own religion. It's not good enough, therefore, to just let people alone and let them think what they want to think. If that's what we think, then we really don't understand solus Christus. When was the last time you shared your faith with somebody else? And we have a desire or should have a desire to share our faith with others who don't know Christ because we understand solus Christus that unless that person comes to God the Father through God the Son, then they're not coming. How often do we pray, and when we pray, who do we pray to? Do you pray to a, a statue? Do you pray to an idol? Do you make an appointment with a religious authority, like a priest, to confess your sins? If that's the kind of thing that we're doing, then we really don't understand solus Christus, that salvation is found in Christ alone. If salvation is found in Christ alone, then why would I waste my time praying to somebody else? Many people have little uh, 
statues of the Virgin Mary in their homes or sometimes in even their automobiles. It's, it's okay, of course, to honor Mary as a wonderful woman of God that was used, whose womb was used to bring Christ supernaturally into our world by the Holy Spirit, but many people have elevated Mary beyond what's appropriate, beyond what's acceptable. Many people tailor their prayers to Mother Mary. Such people don't understand solus Christus. I was uh, teaching not long ago at a Bible college, and we had a student in the class that was of the Roman Catholic persuasion. And upon graduation, he uh, wrote a letter of thanks to his professors. And the letter was fine at first. He said things like, I want to thank my professors. I want to thank Jesus Christ who has enabled me to complete this degree. But then he began to go on in this letter and he began to give praise to Thomas Aquinas and other sort of figures from the past that have long since deceased. And I was wondering if such a person should even graduate from a Bible college because he doesn't understand the absolute basics of Solus Christus. We tell others about Jesus aggressively because of Solus Christus. We pray to Christ and Christ alone because of Solus Christus. We look to him as our intercessor because of Solus Christus. These are all practical applications and ramifications of these solas. How about this fourth sola here? Sola fide, faith alone, salvation by faith alone. When you share the gospel with somebody, how exactly do you share it? Do you tell them that the only condition that they must meet in order to be justified before a holy God is faith alone in Christ alone? Or do you add things that they're supposed to do that aren't found in the Bible? Do you tell them to pray a prayer? Do you tell them to close their eyes? Do you tell them to walk an aisle? Do you tell them to uh, feel badly about all of their sins and they have to make a conscious effort to turn from all of their sins to be justified before God? Do you tell them that to be justified before God, they have to submit to the complete lordship of Jesus Christ? If that's what you're doing in your gospel presentation, then my dear friend, may I just say to you that you really don't understand sola fide, salvation by faith alone. The Bible 160 times tells us that the only way we are justified as sinners before a holy God is by faith alone in Christ alone. And so how we share the gospel with others, whether we add works on the front end, front loading the gospel, or add works on the back end, back loading the gospel, helps us to really understand if we understand sola fide or not. Let me ask you another question. What are you trusting in for your salvation? So many people say, well, I walked the aisle. I filled out the card. I'm trusting in my 
perfect Sunday school attendance record certificate. I'm trusting in my baptism certificate. May I just say to you that such people really don't understand sola fide, salvation by faith alone. I'm not saved because of baptism or Sunday school, not that those things in and of themselves are necessarily bad things. They just have no saving content. They have no saving ability. They have nothing within them that we would call salvific. But I am saved because I took my faith when I was convicted by the Holy Spirit of my need to trust in Christ, and I trusted in Christ. And that transaction and that alone saved me. And we know that because the Protestant reformers gave us or retrieved from us, for us, from the Bible, that great truth, sola fide. How about this last one, sola deo gloria? Um, essentially what that means is only to the glory of God, to the glory of God alone, to the glory of God by himself. You see, if salvation is by grace alone, through Christ alone, through faith alone, based on the authority of the scripture alone, then the only thing man did is receive what God has done for him as a free gift. That means man gets absolutely no glory in his salvation. Now, if salvation is faith plus some kind of human work, some kind of human effort, then, of course, I would have something to boast about, and the glory would go to me, or at least part of it would go to me, because I did something to merit salvation. But the fact of the matter is salvation is non-meritorious. In other words, we have salvation only because of what Christ did for us, and so he alone receives the glory. The Westminster Confession sums this up so well. It says, the chief end of man, and I really appreciate those words, chief end, the ultimate purpose, the final purpose of man, the highest purpose of man, what is it? The Westminster Confession says, the chief end of man is to glorify God. And enjoy him forever. Do you understand that that's the point of your life? Or is your life about your ambitions, your goals, your strategies, fulfilling your desires? I mean, if it's all about you and what you want to do and what your aspirations are and what your ambitions are, then may I just say to you that you may not understand sola deo gloria. We live and breathe and have our being as believers for one purpose, to glorify God. The cry and prayer of our hearts continually ought to be, Lord, how can you this day glorify yourself in my life? And if that is our mindset, if that is our general outlook on life, then we do understand sola deo gloria. But if it's all about me and what I want to do and how I want to behave, then I don't understand this basic theological principle of sola deo gloria. 
The book of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21 says to him, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God's purpose in human history is to bring glory to himself. Even when someone gets saved, God is glorified because he is the one that provided for them the means of salvation. And so as we look at the motives of our lives, it helps us to understand whether we understand sola deo gloria. And so as we come to another year where we commemorate and celebrate and reflect upon the Protestant Reformation, and as we examine these five solas, I hope these things are not just theological ideas that sort of ruminate in the mind somewhere, but I hope they have a deep, deep personal impact on how we walk as Christians. Do we really understand sola scriptura? Authority comes from the scripture by itself. Do we really understand sola gratia, that salvation is by grace alone? Do we really understand solus Christus, salvation is through Christ alone? Do we really understand sola fide, salvation is by faith alone? And do we really understand sola deo gloria, that the that The purpose is to glorify God alone in salvation. Hopefully I've given you a few issues and questions to think through to determine or to ascertain whether we're really internalizing or metabolizing these truths. May these truths not just be theological exercises of the cranium or the mind. We pray that they would be deeply transformative affecting every single area of life. We are saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, on the basis of Scripture alone, and all for the glory of God alone. We find these five great solas of the Protestant Reformation when we search God's holy word, which we know is true from the beginning to the end. This is the fourth year in which Dr. Andy Woods has shared messages about the Reformation with all of us here on Encounter God's Truth from Whitcomb Ministries. You can hear all of these past broadcasts freely at sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb. And you can always get there from our webpage at whitcombministries.org. For more spiritual reassurance and news about our ministry, see us on facebook.com slash whitcombministries. As we complete our emphasis on the five solas of the Reformation, I have this question for you, Dr. Woods. How can we continue to uphold the five solas which the Reformers sacrificed so much to recover? We need to stay in the Word of God. We need to be people who go to churches that preach the Bible. We need to be consistent Bible readers ourselves. And if we don't do that, we have no hope of retaining these five solas because these five solas come from the scripture. That's why the first of the five solas is sola scriptura, or the authority for these things comes from scripture alone. Let's not forget the words of Martin Luther who said this, quote, unless I am convinced by scripture 
and plain reason. I do not accept the authority of the popes and the councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. Close quote. There's something else we need to do, though, is we need to interpret scripture plainly. This is called the literal method of interpretation, taking the text at face value unless there's some sort of conspicuous figure of speech found in the text. You'll notice, again, the words of Luther. He said, the scriptures are to be retained in their simplest meaning whenever possible and to be understood in their grammatical, literal sense unless the context plainly forbids. Close quote. Luther also said this, quote, I have grounded my preaching upon the literal word. He that pleases may follow me. He that will not may stay. And if we're doing those two things consistently, then we have a hope of retaining this wonderful theology. Stay with the scripture, not tradition and man's ideas. The Reformers and the Five Solas. That's been our theme for these two weeks on Encounter God's Truth with special guest speaker, Dr. Andy Woods. Thanks, Dr. Woods, for these wonderful lessons. And thank all of you for listening to our program. If it is a blessing to you, please pass your encouragement onto the station or outlet on which you hear it. I'm Wayne Shepherd, leaving you today with a great text of the Reformation for this weekend and October 31st, 2021. It's Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith.